William Edwards Deming was a business and management guru, and he said this, your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting. So friends, when you think about your life, your day-to-day habits, and you look at how you spend your time day-to-day, what are your life's systems designed to produce? What results are you getting, and what do they say about how you've designed your life's systems from day to day? If your day-to-day habits of life aren't forming you into the likeness of Christ and into a disciple-maker and into someone whose uh, ongoing uh, trajectory is saying yes to the, the, the forward movement of the kingdom of God, then you've bought into a vision for your life that believes at root that you alone know where your joy comes from and that the creator of the universe hasn't a clue. But if you follow Jesus and your goals are to have a deep and abiding relationship with your creator and to make disciples as he's called you to, then you must design your day-to-day habits to achieve those goals. That's just what people who are a part of God's kingdom do. They assess their life's resources and, 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 and with intentionality they say, How do I, from day to day, make habits of my life that steward these things to design uh, in a way that, that means the system of my life from day to day is designed to produce kingdom fruit? If you need some help, we have seven suggestions (laughs) to help you achieve uh, the goal of stewarding your life's resources well. And uh, I'd like to propose a great place to start after engaged in worship is today, number two, serve on the team. Serve on the team as a way to learn more about who God created you to be and how you fit with his plans for the world. Because you see, you understanding how you fit with God's plans for the world, that's the sweet spot of joy for which God created you. That's the vision that brings you what you want and need. So we're going to learn together today from Ephesians 4. Verses 1 through 16. Uh, Turn there if you haven't yet. We're going to learn three things in three sections, real easy, in order. We're a team. We are a team. We have gifts. And our goal is growth. We are a team. We have gifts. And our goal is growth. First, Ephesians 4, starting at verse 1. We are a team. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a church. He planted in Ephesus, says this, verse 1, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, meaning he's writing this from prison in Rome. Earlier in Ephesians, he calls himself a prisoner on their behalf, meaning he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. So he's saying here at the beginning, before I tell you all, here's what I think you're called to. He's saying at the beginning, I I know all about sticking to the plan when things are hard. I get it. I'm writing to you from from prison. So I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, keep reading. He says, 
I urge you, I implore, I appeal, I, I practically am begging you, he says, to walk in a manner, to live in a way that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. When you were called to Christ, you were called to serve. When you were called to Christ, you were called to serve, to use and steward the resources you once called your own, to call them His, because they're for the purpose of His glory and His kingdom. So when you were called to Christ, you were called to serve. So live up to that high calling, Paul says. Live up to the high calling God has for you. Live in a way that fits with that vision for the whole world and for your life. It's like when the coach in, in the in the locker room before the game, he's yelling at the players in the pre-game psych-up speech. He's saying things like, play like a green devil, play like a black knight, play like a volunteer, play like a Perry Mastodon. That, that was my college mascot. That's weird, I know. But Paul is saying here, live in a way that fits with this calling. And he says, that means you're going to have to live a certain way. Because to be on this team requires certain uh, qualities and attributes that come from the heart of God that show that we're on the same team. So he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Verse 2, that means for us on Team Church, on Team FCC, that we need to, to live, to walk, to walk in a manner that has all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Notice that these four qualities that he names here are all about the selflessness required to be on the team. It requires humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love to make any team happen well. In other words, on this team, you've got to submit your personal goals to the greater team goal. In other words, verse 3, keep reading, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. That word of is the same as from, so it's unity that comes from the Spirit. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Be eager to maintain uh, team unity. And here's the source of maintaining unity. For Paul, it's ultimately a theological reason. Here's the source, verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, ultimately one body of Christ and one spirit that unites us, that calls us together, that makes us one, just as you were called to the hope that belongs to your call. That's a hope that we all have in Jesus. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all, and in all. Ultimately, theologically, we should be eager to maintain un- unity in the team because it reflects the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of which are mentioned in this passage. And also note here, uh, look how Paul uses the word one here. He says it seven times in two verses. Do you think this is about unity? Seven times in two verses to describe how our team unity in the body is meant to be a picture of the sevenfold, complete, perfect unity that God himself enjoys, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Does that mean our unity is going to be perfect and sevenfold? No. That's why we need 
humility, gentleness, patience. That's why we need to bear with one another in love. We need to be eager to maintain that unity because it's a reflection of the truth of God. So, so, so Paul is saying here, live up to that calling of being on team Jesus to maintain the unity that comes from his spirit. And that's going to require humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. In other words, he's saying to serve on the team is to be eager to maintain a unity that reflects the character and the nature of God. That is, that is unreal. Think about how cool it is that as we, each one of us doing our part, which we'll get to in just a second in the next section, as we are doing our part, no matter how, how public or private, no matter how relatively big feeling and looking it may be, or relatively small it may feel to you, every single one of those can be a part of reflecting the goodness and the character and nature of a God who created us. That's the high calling. So we have the opportunity to serve in the team in a way that reflects who God is. Our unity with Christ is reflected in our unity with one another. When we're on the team, we show whose we are. So if verses 1 to 6 are a picture of maintaining that unity in in some general terms, then the next section from 7 to 12 that we'll look at those verses give some color to how our gifts in individual terms help make the team work in more specific terms. So first, we're a team. Second, we have gifts. Jump in at verse 7. It says this, But grace was given, meaning God-empowered gifts of service, are given to each of us, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Meaning everyone's got gifts And they come from God, and they're empowered by His Spirit. Therefore, it says, this is a little complicated. We'll summarize it in a bit here, 8 through 10. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, this is He, meaning Jesus, He led a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. In saying He ascended, what does it mean? But that He also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that He might fill all things. This is a little bit complicated, but what Paul is doing here is he is using Psalm 68. Uh, He's sort of piggybacking off of Psalm 68 in a couple places there to explain that when Christ conquered his enemies, when he went to heaven, he came back bringing the gift of the Spirit to the church, which empowers people to do his work. So the gifts aren't just what you do, it's that you are Spirit-empowered. In other words, Paul is saying here, gifts are the people. This is super cool what he says here. Keep reading. Here are some of the people listed. We're not going to cover all of them, just a few here in the, in, in the context of this passage. He says he gave the apostles, this is verse 11, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So Paul happens to list here uh, those who are charged with leading the church by communicating the word, the word that guides the church. But there are four other uh, lists in the New Testament. None of them is exhaustive. You can look them up in a bunch of places. A couple good ones is uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. It's just easy to remember a couple places where you can find some lists about some individual gifts there. But our focus today isn't on those gifts individually. But what is important to see is that God empowers each one of us. He empowers each one of us to use our gifts. Meaning God himself 
has given you a gift to make this team work, to make the kingdom of God move forward, to use the resources of your life and to steward them well in a way that means the Spirit of God moves forward to make people new. That's an unbelievably high calling and a really cool vision. So you are important to this whole thing working. Don't let anybody, uh, don't let the evil one on the inside uh, tell you that your part isn't important. Each one of us, by the grace of God, was given a gift to help God's kingdom move forward. Super cool. So we are a team. We have gifts. And third, our goal is growth. Our goal is growth. Paul gives an extended explanation here of what the growth looks like and why we have gifts. We're going to go quickly through it. Look at this, verse 12. He gave people as gifts... Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, uh, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, That refers specifically to the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers in verse 11. They're called to make sure the team is working well, uh, meaning to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And here's the reason why, verse 13 and following, this applies to everyone, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God, meaning until we all work together and we know Jesus uh, as fully as we can, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be uh, children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness and deceitful uh, schemes. Meaning, (laughs) let me summarize, being on this team shapes us into uh, mature followers of Jesus if we will let it. Being on this team shapes us into maturity and guards us against the evil one's schemes if we will let that process happen. So the goal is growth. So instead of being children uh, tossed to and fro, verse 15, rather... Speaking the truth in love, meaning speaking to one another what we need for our growth. Speaking to one another what we need for our growth. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the the head, into Christ. Meaning the goal is becoming like Christ. The goal is becoming like Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, when each individual part using their gifts is working properly, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The church is intended to be the God-designed context where you are equipped to serve on God's team and to learn how the kingdom moves forward and your place in it. So for us, serve on the team is a soul-shaping habit. It's a soul-shaping habit. Because this is the God-designed context where we learn to steward our gifts faithfully for kingdom mission in a way that reflects God's grace to us. So, how does this work in practical terms? I'm glad I asked. We work hard... (laughs) Thank you, I thought that was funny too. We work hard to produce and to protect 
a team culture here at FCC by adhering to what we call the team code. I want to tell you a little bit about the team code here. This is a guide for us. This is common vocabulary for us for how we serve together. And I want to show you just a little bit about that this morning. By the way, if you want more in-depth explanation about the team code and how to serve and what ministries there are and where we need you kids, men, uh, then... Uh, you can learn about that second service, 1045, and next steps at both campuses. So, this is our church's manifesto for how our teams work. Number one, we enjoy the fellowship of mutual surrender to the mission. We are together as a team in a mutual surrender and sacrifice to our God-given mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. We enjoy the fellowship of mutual surrender to the mission. Number two, this is dorky, but I like it at least. Maybe you and nobody else does. We pre-prayer. We pre-prayer as if the word does the work, souls are at stake, excellence matters, and feedback helps. God's initiative is what directs us, meaning the word does the work. But instead of using that as an excuse to be lazy or prideful, we work hard because of it. Praying and preparing, I'm sorry, praying and preparing, which is how we get preparing, praying and preparing for our service as if it matters. So that's why we say we prepare as if the word does the work, souls are at stake, excellence matters, and feedback helps. Third is this, we value people over policies, principles over preferences, too many P's. We value people over policies, principles over preferences, and growth over control. We're in the people business over the long haul for their spiritual growth, which is why we say we value people over policies, principles over preferences, long over short term, and growth over control. The fourth is this. We celebrate faithful service. Uh, We party. Uh, We do a big team bash every year. Uh, We give high fives. We hand out game balls, uh, footballs to people who go above and beyond on a regular basis. We tell people thank you. We write thank you notes. Uh, We're working hard to create a culture that lets everyone on the team, regardless of what they're doing, we want them to know that they're valuable in carrying out this mission. So we say we celebrate faithful service. Number five, we have a growth mindset, not a fixed one. Uh, We find a way. We find a way, learning whatever we need to learn to move the mission forward. So we have a growth mindset, not a fixed one. Number six is we lead with vulnerability. Uh, There are no superheroes, and we don't allow fig leaves. We We don't hold up fake versions of ourselves. We are real with each other, refusing to hide behind our fears and inadequacies which is to say we share our hearts openly and we share them honestly in order to create safety on our team so that all team members know that they don't have to pretend to be someone they're not. That's why we lead with vulnerability. And then finally, number seven, we multiply influence by reproducing leaders at all levels of our organization. We endeavor to replace ourselves and to let leaders lead. We multiply our influence by reproducing leaders. Friends, the team code drives how we think about our service and how we lead our teams at all levels of our organization. So, another good question, how, how does all this work in practical terms? We have no idea. 
Just kidding. We have lots of ideas. Uh, and there are many places you can serve uh, here at FCC that will match up with how you're wired. And you can explore those options in, uh, you guessed it, Next Step. Um, but I want to tell you uh, today about an important strategy you need to know about that we use to turn Sunday mornings specifically into a serve-on-the-team environment. This is a bit unique in church world, but we believe this is secret sauce and is important to know about. So just think about the order of the first two habits. Engage in worship, serve on the team. We put those two habits in this order to help us remember a Sunday morning serving strategy we called worship and serve. Worship and serve is a strategy for turning Sunday mornings into a serving context that produces producers. Actually, worship and serve applies to the whole week, but let's just confine it to Sunday morning for our purposes here. This is about learning by serving instead of learning by sitting on your butt in a classroom. We're serious about this. You see, the problem is not that Christians don't know enough. That is not our problem. The problem is that Christians do not remotely do enough with what they already know. American Christians are educated way beyond their level of actual obedience. Which is why the church in America doesn't effectively make disciples. We're serious about turning Sunday mornings and First Christian Church into a serving culture because it's how you become a disciple and you learn to make disciples. So worship and serve is important. It's a Sunday morning environment that helps you, even in small ways, think about this whole thing as an others-focused, Jesus-like, give-away environment instead of something where, as we've learned to be consumers, we come and we sit and we go, hmm, that was fun. And then we leave and nothing has changed. Worship and serve is important. And I think it's secret sauce. So here are just a few ways that worship and serve helps us. First is this. It provides the human resources needed for making Sunday morning programming amazing. That's important. We want our people to, to, to have an environment on Sunday mornings that declares the glory of God with excellence. Programmatically, we only do four things on Sunday mornings. Worship, kids, men, next steps, and connect with people. Those are the only things we do. And we want all four of those to be amazing environments that point people to Jesus. And that takes a lot of volunteers. So, secondly, it also provides a built-in structure that accommodates uh, busy schedules. It's a built-in structure that accommodates busy schedules, uh, meaning you can come one time on Sunday morning and worship and serve. You can engage in worship and serve on the team. You can hear from God's Word, sing His praises in worship, as well as learn about how God made you and uniquely gifted you to build up the body of Christ in a way that's a trajectory for the rest of your week. By the way, we are, uh, parenthetically, by the way, we are discussing making Sunday morning uh, slightly shorter to accommodate busy schedules better and to accommodate families with kids who are like, it's a long morning. We know it is. So that's likely coming down the pike soon. The third part of our worship and serve strategy uh, that I want you to see is this. It teaches 
service from a young age and helps us provide natural mentoring relationships between generations. That doesn't commonly happen. It doesn't happen well in our culture generally. It happens less well in churches than it used to. Uh, So we very intentionally include all of our youth and even some older elementary children in worship and serve on Sunday mornings. This helps us minister to kids and youth who need healthy and godly relationships with older men and women to show them what it means to be a man, to show them how women serve. On the same Sunday, you might see a fourth or fifth grader handing out bulletins at the front door. Uh, Middle schoolers coming down the aisles handing Bibles out. uh, You might see elementary um, kids doing things like greeting people. You might see middle school and high school kids helping in kidsmen, teaching about Jesus alongside older adults who show them how to serve. Lastly, worship and serve, number four, helps us create a warm and a loving Sunday morning environment that's focused on serving guests well and communicating the love of Christ. Think about this. When our guests drive up and they walk in and they see volunteers with signs and smiles and handshakes and side hugs at most, it says, it says, we are here to serve you and to help you find and follow Jesus. This is a place where you are welcomed safely into an environment that proclaims Jesus. And so when a guest comes in and someone hands them a cup of amazing coffee, we roasted ourselves, music's playing overhead, people are smiling, they're maybe um, side-hugging, and there's a buzz, there's a buzz about the place because dozens of people have served you on the way in, they've vacuumed, they've swept, they've prayed, they've prepared, things are clean. All of that comes together to communicate, we're glad you're here, we're ready to serve you. We've prayed and we've prepared for you because this place and our hearts are about helping you find and follow Jesus. Serving on a team matters, it's important. Friends, the world has way too many consumers. who are perverting the world into a context of self and glorification of me, which will ultimately deceive them into a vision for their lives that is empty and results in an eternity without God. It is incumbent upon us, it is our responsibility to produce producers who understand that we're a team, we have gifts, And our goal is growth. Let's pray, friends. Lord, none of this works if your Spirit's not in it. So we ask, Lord, that uh, as we bring what we can give, as we serve on a team that's focused on helping us become who you called us to be, and producing a place where your glory is made known. Lord, give us a vision uh, for being people and a church who say yes to holding up your son Jesus, who sacrifice of self who use our gifts in ways that uphold your purpose in the world and for our lives and for your glory. Lord, we are grateful. We're so grateful for the gifts of those in this room. When we consider, Lord, what you called us to do, the high calling.
and the gifts you've given us that are represented here in this room. We know, Lord, that you have given us everything we need to accomplish what you called us to do. So help us to trust in that and to say yes to serving on the team as a result. In the name of your Son, Jesus.